Hey everyone, this is Judy Minnick, and I'm part of Ideas Publications and Content Team. Welcome back to a new episode of Ideas Listen and Learn CEC Podcast, the industry's first and only Audible CEC program. If this is your first time listening, here's how it works. In this episode, I'm going to read you 23 evidence-based news stories that will bring you up to date on fitness trends, exercise research, and the dynamic fields of diet, food, nutrition, and behavior change science. This episode contains information that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 approval agencies, including ACE, NASM, AFA, ACSM, NSCA, and NFPT. In order to claim your CEC, you'll need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the Idea Store. Look for the link in the quiz section of the show notes. To thank you for listening, at the end of the episode, I'll provide you with a coupon code to get 20% off the quiz. But remember, IdeaFit Plus members can access this and all of our CEC quizzes and courses free of charge. Now, research has shown that physical activity increases comprehension. So whether you're out for a run, working out, or just doing the dishes, we encourage you to move while you listen and learn. Let's get started. First, I will read nine articles from our headline section that were researched by our colleague and award-winning contributing editor, Shirley Archer Eichenberger. These were originally published in the June 2021 edition of Fitness Journal Sprint. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Does your client have exercise resistance? Encourage clients to move every chance they get, not only during scheduled workouts. Why? Well, researchers from the University of Texas at Austin found that if overall daily activity levels are too low, even if you exercise during the day, the body becomes less efficient at burning fat, causing more of it to be stored. This phenomenon is called exercise resistance. What this means is that too much inactivity hampers the normal improvement in fat oxidation that occurs after exercise. Investigators wanted to know what range of daily step counts encourages and stimulates the exercise resistance effect. They found that after two days of step reduction to approximately 2,500 to 5,000 steps per day, young, healthy individuals displayed a 16 to 19% decrease in fat oxidation and a 22 to 23% increase in post-meal blood triglyceride levels the next day. Study authors concluded that this suggests that exercise resistance occurs in individuals taking approximately 5,000 or fewer steps per day whereas 8,500 steps per day protects against the exercise resistance in fat metabolism. Future research will examine what the best timing for those steps should be throughout the day. An important insight is that inactivity influences fat metabolism more powerfully than exercise does. In other words, prolonged sitting blunts the benefits of exercise. Fitness professionals can help by encouraging clients and participants to move more throughout the day and to avoid inactivity, in addition to promoting planned physical activity. This study is available in medicine and science in sports and exercise. Article 2. Sharing data with coaches helps weight loss. Which is better, 
simply asking clients to track data or asking them to also share that data with you. The latter, as it turns out, according to a recent pilot study in which participants achieved better results when sharing weight, eating, and exercise data with a coach. Drexel University researchers in Philadelphia conducted the study during the maintenance phase of a one-year weight loss program. The maintenance phase is the nine-month period immediately following the weight loss. We were interested to see if weight loss maintenance would be better when coaches could see the data and provide feedback and a sense of accountability to participants, which might help them sustain a high level of motivation to keep up healthy eating behaviors and physical activity, said the lead study author. Investigators divided 77 subjects into two groups. One group shared self-monitoring data with a coach. The other met with the coach the same number of times, but the coach could not see the participant's Fitbit, wireless scale, or digital food record data. Weight loss was consistent between both groups. However, those in the sharing group maintained their weight loss, while those who did not share data regained approximately 2 kilograms, or 4.4 pounds. Researchers note that these findings suggest that sharing self-monitoring data with coaches helps to improve eating habits, weight, and physical activity goals, but more research is warranted. The study appeared in Obesity. Article 3. High levels of inactivity are linked with distractibility. Studies continue to reveal a strong connection between physical activity and brain fitness. Researchers found that people who sat for longer than 20 minutes at a time were less able to resist distractions and maintain concentration. Several studies have examined the relationship between different types of sedentary behaviors, such as TV viewing and cognitive function in children and adults, said the lead study author from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Few studies, however, have examined the relationship between prolonged sedentary time and cognitive functions. Our key finding was that people who spent more time in prolonged sedentary bouts were more easily distracted. If you make sure to break up your sitting time with brief bouts of physical activity, could that reduce how distracted you'll be? And if it does, what's driving this effect? This is something we want to explore. You'll find the study in the International Journal of Obesity. Article 4. Fit preschoolers perform better on cognitive tests. The physical fitness and brain fitness connection is evident even at age four. Researchers discovered that four to six-year-old children who walked farther on a timed walking test did better on cognitive exams and other measures of brain function than their less fit peers. Preschool children with higher estimated cardiorespiratory fitness had higher scores on academic ability tasks related to general intellectual abilities, as well as their use of expressive language, said the lead study author. They had better performance on computerized tasks requiring attention and multitasking skills, and they showed the potential for faster processing speeds and greater resource allocation in the brain when completing these computerized tasks. The study, which appeared in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, was conducted with 59 preschool-aged children and was associative and did not establish a causal link between cardiorespiratory fitness and cognitive abilities. 
Article 5, Do Older Athletes Have an Edge? Boost the morale of older athletic clients by letting them know that, in certain sports, age is an advantage, according to findings published in the European Journal of Sports Science. Iranian and Australian researchers analyzed peak performance age and age-related progression in elite track and field athletes. Among the study findings, women achieved peak performance at a later age than men in most disciplines. Athletes who peak at an early age have shorter careers, and peak hand grip strength occurs in ages 30 to 39 for both genders, favoring older discus and javelin throwers. Also, marathon and race walkers are likely to achieve best performances at a later age than sprinters, hurdlers, and middle distance runners as a result of muscle fiber type and skill acquisition. The purpose of the research was to help with setting goals, managing expectations, identifying talent at the right age, and preventing injuries, according to Principal Investigator Roger Esten, Executive Dean of Allied Health and Human Performance at the University of South Australia. Article 6, Harnessing Your Energy to Fuel Batteries. Imagine a future where you could go for a run or teach a group exercise class and convert the heat your body generates to power your smartwatch. This type of technology is what a team at the Colorado University Boulder is developing. In the future, they say, we want to be able to power your wearable electronics without having to include a battery. The nice thing about our thermoelectric device is that you can wear it and it provides you with constant power. Researchers expect the device to be on the market within five to 10 years, and the study is available in Science Advances. Article 7, Training Cancer Patients. Consistent exercise is beneficial for patients undergoing cancer treatment, but what intensity is best? New findings suggest that both high intensity and low to moderate intensity exercise are beneficial, so the decision can be left to the individual preference. Swedish researchers studied 577 male and female patients ages 30 to 84 who had breast, prostate, or colorectal cancer. Investigators randomly assigned subjects to either a twice-weekly high-intensity interval training group or 150 minutes per week of low to moderate intensity walking or biking. At the end of six months, the researchers assessed and compared participants' data on mental and physical health measures. So what did the study find? Well, intensity level didn't seem to matter much. The group's results didn't differ in a clinically relevant way. That is, there was no difference likely to make a difference in the patient's everyday life, said the lead study author. The research appeared in the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports. Article 8, Optimal Health Gains from HIT and Moderate Exercise. Adding to the debate over whether high-intensity interval training or moderate-intensity continuous training is more effective, a recent review study by German researchers found that each approach leads to different health-enhancing outcomes. Investigators found that HIT increased both aerobic and anaerobic fitness faster, showing more effectiveness in improving heart health and aerobic fitness. Moderate-intensity continuous training, in contrast, 
was better at improving long-term glucose metabolism. On other health parameters, both training methods were equally effective. Look for this study in medicine and science in sports and exercise. Article 9, Online Fitness Platforms for Freelance Fit Pros. With the pandemic, many fit pros needed to pivot almost instantly to online instructions. Some were supported by fitness facility owners. Others had to make it on their own. Entrepreneurs rose to the occasion, providing platforms that offered business tools like payment processing, registration, notifications, and student management, so freelance fit pros could focus on what they love and do best, training clients and serving their communities. IDEA member Mandy Bateman, CEO and co-founder of LoveDub, created the San Francisco-based company in 2018 with the vision of empowering fitness professionals with the autonomy to run their own businesses, benefit from their loyal clientele, and make a livable wage. Dedicated to this mission, even prior to the pandemic, Bateman saw significant growth with the lockdowns. We had been using Zoom to do educational workshops for instructors, she says. We pivoted our model to online classes via Zoom in five days. People flocked to the site. We have yoga, Pilates, HIT, and boot camp instructors, nutritionists, wellness coaches, everyone along the wellness spectrum. Bateman, who had been profiled by Inc. Magazine, shares one of the biggest lessons learned. Collaboration is the way. We created wellness pods, collections of instructors that teach with a theme. For example, Defy Gravity is a pod that serves an aging population and offers workshops on osteoporosis, breath, book clubs, journaling, and all types of fitness. So we're packaging offerings in a very holistic way as a full service option for subscribers. Fit pros are not charged to list classes. They can earn revenues from their own students and they benefit from LubDub subscribers who take their classes. They also benefit from subscribers who take other people's offerings. All instructors can support one another by taking other pros classes. Other options that are similar but not identical include Moxie and SutraFit. That concludes the readings for headlines. Many thanks to author and contributing editor Shirley Archer Eichenberger for her research and writing. Next up, I'll read 14 articles from our Food for Thought news section. These were researched by our colleague Matthew Cady, a registered dietitian and cookbook author who is also a James Beard award-winning journalist. These articles were originally published in the June 2021 edition of Fitness Journal Sprint. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Pandemic Gardens Are Growing Life with COVID-19 has driven more people outside with a trowel and kale seeds in hand, and pandemic gardens are on the rise. 26% of American consumers surveyed in a recent survey said they were planting a food garden and gave the pandemic as their primary reason for doing so. Worries about finances and food availability were cited as leading motivators, and gardening was, and is, something to do during turbulent times. 
Spending more time outdoors and being rewarded with homegrown fresh food sounds like a winning formula for better health. Article 2. When you scroll less, you'll feel full faster. Smartphone users beware. Stuffing in food while doing something perceptually demanding makes it more difficult to notice when you feel full, potentially leading to overeating. As reported in Appetite, 120 adults consumed either a low or high satiety drink. One was 75 calories and the other was 272 calories and had a thicker texture. At the same time, they were asked to complete a task that was either low or high in perceptual demand. Participants who received the high satiety drink and were then assigned the task with low perceptual load felt more satisfied and ate 45% less of a snack offered to them afterward. On the flip side, participants whose senses were taken up by the highly engaging task were less able to tell when they felt full and ate more of the snacks offered to them. The researchers concluded that a person's ability to notice when the body feels full depends on how much available attention remains in the brain. When our attention is placed on a video game, an engrossing thriller, or a social media feed, our brains have less capacity to register fullness. The takeaway? Keep your attention to what's on your plate and not what's on a screen to keep the daily calorie intake in check. Article 3. Calorie Restriction and Mitochondrial Woes It's a common and oh-so-frustrating outcome for many dieters. You concentrate on a calorie restriction and lose a few pounds only to see the weight come soaring back. What's happening with your mitochondria, important cellular power plants, may explain why so many diets fail to produce lasting results. An international study coordinated by the University of Helsinki in Finland and published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism suggests that calorie restriction impairs the mitochondrial pathways in the fat tissue, reducing the expression of genes involved in their production. And since mitochondria are key to cellular energy production, a drop in their activity level can encourage the packing on of more pounds after weight loss. Future research will hopefully uncover ways to combat this metabolic drift, making dieting more impactful in the uphill battle against obesity. Article 4. Cows, Kelp, and Greenhouse Gas Emissions Here's a great number for you. 82%. It's the reduction in methane emissions that cattle may produce when a certain type of seaweed is included in their feed. Researchers at the University of California, Davis, added small amounts of seaweed, about 80 grams or three ounces, to the daily diet of 21 beef cattle over five months and tracked their weight gain and methane emissions. Cattle that consumed a specific type of red algae gained as much weight as their herd mates while burping out up to 82% less methane into the atmosphere. It turns out that the seaweed inhibits a digestive enzyme that contributes to the production of this greenhouse gas. Importantly, a taste test panel found no differences in the flavor of the beef from the seaweed-fed steers compared with the control group. Broad application of this feeding method could pave the way for more climate-friendly burgers and steaks. Article 5. 
Antioxidants help with depression. COVID-19, politics, doom scrolling. There are many reasons why America's mental health has taken a hit lately. Perhaps a way to color yourself happy lies in the not yet trendy high polyphenol diet. Polyphenols are a type of antioxidant. Researchers at Queen's University Belfast discovered that adults ages 40 to 65 who followed a diet high in polyphenols from colorful foods like berries and leafy greens for eight weeks reported fewer depressive symptoms and scored higher for physical and mental health than those placed on a low polyphenol diet. Their survey reported no differences in anxiety, stress, or self-esteem between the two groups. Dietary polyphenols may affect behavior and mood through several different molecular and cellular pathways. For instance, antioxidants may reduce brain oxidative stress and inflammation. So yes, eat the rainbow and be happy about it. Article six, the protein muscle equation. Maintaining muscle mass and strength is a vital part of aging well and improving quality of life. Luckily, we don't need to garnish chicken breast with meatballs to get enough protein to build lean body mass as we age. Researchers from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign enrolled 50 middle-aged adults ages 40 through 64 in a 10-week resistance training program, three lifting sessions a week. Participants had not been lifting weights prior to the study. The research team randomized the adults into moderate and high-protein diet groups. The moderate-protein group consumed about 1.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day, while the high-protein group consumed roughly 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Daily beef and protein isolate drink consumption were used to help participants reach the desired protein intake levels. Overall calories were kept the same between groups. Published in the American Journal of Physiology, Endocrinology and Metabolism, the study showed no significant differences between the groups after 10 weeks. Gains in strength and lean body mass, loss of body fat, glucose tolerance, kidney function, bone density, and other biomarkers of health were roughly the same in all participants. The conclusion? A moderate protein intake seems to be effective at help keeping Gen X and baby boobers stay strong and lean, as long as they're also pumping some iron. Article seven, term of the day, social jet lag. People who have different sleep patterns on the weekends than they do during the work week may experience social jet lag. A study in the Journal of the American Academy of Dietetics shows this shift in sleep schedule is linked to some concerning eating behaviors in adolescents. Among 1,556 adolescents ages 12 through 17, those experiencing severe social jet lag from waking up earlier than their biological clocks wanted them to on weekdays and delaying wake time and bedtimes on weekends, were more likely to consume higher amounts of sugar-sweetened drinks and fewer fruits and vegetables than those with no social jet lag. The sleep schedule mismatch was also linked to higher body mass index. Article eight, five a day is still great advice. 
An apple a day may really keep the doctor away. That's if you also grab another fruit and add three servings of veggies. A study published in Circulation using data representing nearly 2 million adults found that the long-standing public health message of five a day is worth embracing. Compared with eating just two servings of fruits and vegetables per day, consuming five servings, that's two of fruits and three of vegetables, was linked with a 13% drop in total mortality risk and similar reductions in risk of death from cancer or cardiovascular disease. And risk of respiratory illness mortality improved even more. Interestingly, downing more than five servings was not associated with additional longevity benefits. Also, not all fruits and veggies had the same impact. Fruit juices and starchy vegetables like potatoes and corn were not linked with a lower risk of disease or death. This is worth noting as current dietary recommendations typically lump all fruit and vegetables into the five-a-day plan without differentiating between them. In reality, some, like whole berries and dark leafy greens, pack more of a health punch. Article 9. Evening chronotypes equal lower quality foods. Whether we stumble into bed as the sun goes up or rise with the roosters, most of us can identify with the specific sleep type or chronotype. Your chronotype is your circadian topography. And if you fall into the evening category with a clear preference for conducting activities in the evening and awakening well after sunrise, following that preference may not bode well for your diet. Investigators from the Department of Medicine at the Columbia University Irving Medical Center in New York looked at survey data from 432 women enrolled in the American Heart Association Go Red for Women Strategically Focused Research Network. The researchers found that women who identified as evening chronotypes typically consumed a poorer quality diet with lower amounts of plant proteins, fiber, fruits, and vegetables than morning intermediate chronotypes. Night owls also consume diets with higher energy density, which along with eating fewer nutritious foods can raise the risk for conditions like obesity and heart disease. So if you're working with clients who regularly burn the midnight oil, it's important to encourage them to implement strategies for healthier eating habits. Article 10, the dirty dozen strikes again. For the sixth year in a row, strawberries led the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen Report of fruits and vegetables that contain the highest levels of leftover pesticides from crop spraying. Number two on the list is spinach, followed by kale, collard and mustard, nectarines, apples, grapes, cherries, peaches, pears, bell and hot peppers, celery, and tomatoes. This report does not say whether the levels detected on those items pose a health risk with typical consumption patterns, but those with access and financial means may want to consider opting for organic strawberries and kale, especially those in a higher risk demographic, such as pregnant women. On the other hand, it's generally believed that for most people, eating non-organic apples and grapes outweighs the risk of not eating these fruits at all. The report also offers consumers a list of the clean 15, foods with the lowest amount of pesticides. 
The clean 15 are avocado, sweet corn, pineapple, onions, papaya, frozen peas, eggplant, asparagus, broccoli, cabbage, kiwi, cauliflower, mushrooms, honeydew melon, and cantaloupe. Article 11, what to look for in seafood. Fish, large and small, can most certainly be a healthy meal choice. But if you're ordering seafood off a menu, there can be troubled water ahead. Investigators from the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore crunched the nutrition numbers for more than 2,600 seafood menu items from 159 chain restaurants using the online nutritional information provided by the establishments. The researchers discovered that many of the ingredients and preparation methods turned out dishes with concerning numbers. The average seafood menu item nets up to 49% of the total daily limit of saturated fat for men and 61% for women, and 65% of the total daily limit of sodium, with 19% of the items exceeding the daily sodium goal of 2,300 milligrams. The average calorie content of a meal was up to 41% of the daily recommended intake for women and up to 33% for men. Fast food chains are not the main offenders. National casual dining chains, such as Applebee's and Red Lobster, carry seafood meals that are higher in calories, saturated fat, sodium, and sugar, with larger portion sizes being a significant contributor. Study authors also noted that most menu items did not list species origin or production methods, whether they're farmed or wild, which could help consumers make selections based on sustainability. The fine dining segment of the industry was not included in the nutritional analysis because lots of restaurants in this category are not required by law to post their nutrition information. Since many Americans consume a large percentage of their seafood away from home, consumers must be educated on how to reel in healthier options, including smaller portions and meals made using less troublesome preparation methods, such as baking instead of breading. Article 12, coffee perks up heart protection. Pour on the good news. Sipping one to three cups of black caffeinated coffee a day may reduce the risk of heart failure by as much as 12% per cup, according to an analysis of three studies by the American Heart Association published in Circulation. Interestingly, the same benefit was not associated with drinking decaf coffee. This is not enough to say that drinking straight up coffee can protect against heart disease, but it's possible that the interaction between compounds, including caffeine and chlorogenic acid in America's favorite brew may improve how the ticker functions. The benefit is unlikely to extend to drinks doused with sugar and calorie dense creams and going much beyond the three cups highlighted in the study may lead to diminishing returns. Article 13. Preventing Picky Eaters Want to get your kids to stop putting up a fuss when you give them broccoli? Try the repeated exposure method on those picky eaters. This was among the handful of strategies identified in a research review published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. 
The study focused on ways to improve vegetable liking and subsequently intake in children up to age five. Frequently offering vegetables to kids was found to have the strongest evidence for effectively turning dislike into like. Exposure to veggie flavors in utero and via breast milk, a good reason for pregnant women to eat plenty of vegetables. Parental role modeling, like if parents eat their spinach at the dinner table, it's more likely their offspring will too. Giving non-food rewards and reading from vegetable-themed storybooks also offered hope for getting picky eaters to welcome more veggies. Each option requires more research. Article 14, should we treat stress to eat better? Fretting over finances, politics, trip cancellations, you name it. Most Americans are suffering from moderate to high stress. And all of this pent up angst could be another reason why so many people continue to eat poorly according to research published in a recent issue of Nutrients. Investigators from Ohio State University recruited 338 overweight or obese lower income moms ages 18 to 39 to take part in a 16 week program aimed at preventing weight gain by promoting stress management, healthy eating and physical activity. For the trial, 212 of the participants were placed into an intervention group that received additional services, including support group teleconferences. Analysis of the study data showed that lower perceived stress following the intervention was a key factor in influencing an eventual decrease in the consumption of high fat and fast foods among women receiving support, even more so than being educated on how to make wiser dietary choices. Stress can affect diet in several ways, including by altering hunger hormones and driving people to seek comfort in hyperpalatable foods. Being in a state of chronic stress can also make it less likely for a person to have enough brain power left to consider dietary changes. The take home message here is that helping people identify signs of stress and appropriate coping mechanisms should be weaved into programs geared to improving eating patterns. That marks the end of the reading on Food for Thought. Many thanks to registered dietitian and subject matter expert Matthew Cady for his research and excellent writing of our popular food and nutrition news section. And this concludes the education in this episode of the Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast. I'm so happy you joined me for this episode. I appreciate your attention and your dedication to being the best professional you can be. Here's a quick reminder that this education has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. In order to claim the CEC, you'll need to pass a short quiz which is available for purchase in the IDEA store. The link is in the show notes. Use coupon code JUNESPRINT21. That's J-U-N-E-S-P-R-I-N-T-2-1. And you'll get 20% off the CEC quiz. And remember that it's completely free for IDEA Fit Plus members. Stay tuned, we'll have more exciting content that has been approved for CECs coming soon.